0: Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your Chakra Coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am so glad you are here today because we have an amazing guest. I'm so excited about this. This is Victor Briere. He is an Ayurvedic doctor, the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, where he serves as a Nama-recognized Ayurvedic doctor and Kundalini yoga teacher. Victor specializes in Ayurvedic diagnostic techniques, and health counseling. So, you know, right in what we talk about on this show all the time. He uses an in-depth, individualized approach to health and offers clients and students a detailed and encompassing perspective on the underlying causes of imbalance. Does that sound familiar by any chance? Victor's approach to wellness emphasizes the role and importance of lifestyle and dietary balance. He offers support that is needed to successfully address the root cause of illness and disease and restore the body to balance. Victor, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much.
1: Thank you for hosting me.
0: My pleasure. Well, I think let's, let's start with the basics. I've been looking at Ayurveda off and on for years and I'm super interested and fascinated by it, but can you just tell us what is Ayurveda?
1: Sure, Ayurveda—it's a big question, and I'll try to answer it with a uh, shorter, relatively shorter answer. Ayurveda is holistic, and it's part of yoga. Yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences, so they're intended to be practiced alongside each other. Yoga is a lot about the you know pursuing the spiritual aspects of life, and then Ayurveda is how to keep your body healthy while you're doing that, trying to acknowledge that. If you don't have a healthy body, it's much more challenging to meditate, to chant, to breathe, to do all those spiritual practices that we all love to do. So it's a holistic science that's basically saying, okay, you know, we can isolate and dissect different parts of the body to under- understand different parts of the body, but we are a whole at our core. So we need to treat the body and the mind and everything involved with that as a whole and not say like, oh, you have a liver and you have a heart and never the two shall meet. <laughs> you know, like as in uh, popular in, in modern medicine, you know, you go to a heart specialist or you go to a GI specialist and the, the cardiologist and the gastrointernologist don't ever talk. That's not what happens in the body. The heart and the stomach are talking or the heart and the GI are talking all the time. So as a system of health, Ayurveda says, no, let's, let's get the whole body talking to itself, get it all synced up, get it nice and balanced in accordance with its own constitution, not in accordance with someone else's constitution or what society says your constitution should look like.
0: Fascinating. So in Ayurvedic medicine, do you find that the problem in one place, let's say the liver, then Expresses itself in the heart. I don't know if that would be a proper pairing, but do you sometimes find the root cause in a place where you're not having the symptoms then?
1: Exactly, all the time. So, you know, just you could take a super simple example. Let's say someone has glaucoma and it's a diabetes, it's caused by diabetes. So you might be experiencing the symptoms of high pressure and loss of eyesight in the eyes. That's the symptom, but the pathology is across the entire body. So Mm -hmm. the roots, are not visible in the context of the symptom, the presenting symptom. So we see a tree, but we only see half the tree. The other half of the tree is underground unseen.
0: Right, right. Same thing like with a glacier, like 90% of a glacier is underwater. You don't see it.
1: Sure. So, So, you know, another easy example is you have a rash, you could put a cream on it, sure. But why is the rash there? That's always the question Ayurveda is going to ask. Why is that rash appearing to begin with? What's going on inside the body? And what's the body trying to communicate by saying, hey, look at this symptom?
0: Interesting. So that is, I would say, I would guess then the primary difference between Ayurvedic medicine and what we think of as traditional Western medicine is instead of treating the symptom, we try to treat the why behind the symptom?
1: Yeah, the root cause. And the there root- might be four or five whys, if you, depending on how far you want to go down the rabbit hole.
0: Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So then... And I don't know if you have an answer for this. Does that mean then that Ayurvedic medicine replaces 10 specialists? Is that kind of the idea?
1: Well, there are specializations even in Ayurveda. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, the, but there's a very different approach to it. It's that it's, it's more of an attitude towards health. So the, the common attitude towards health in the West is I'm healthy until I'm sick and I need to go to the doctor. So, you know, we walk around and as long as we don't basically need to go to the doctor, for the most part, we avoid getting, we avoid working on our health or we say, oh yeah, I'm healthy by the standards of Western medicine. So a common case in the clinic is something like, you know, I haven't had a bowel movement in two days. So Ayurveda would consider that severe constipation. Whereas in Western medicine, you're not even considered constipated unless you've had a bowel movement once every five days. Hmm. So the the bar for health is much much lower in I guess it would be what western medicine. I see. So if even if you have a specialist in ayurveda they're going to say they're going to have a basic attitude towards hey even though you know my forte is this or that you know my forte might be dealing with your psychology or my forte might be dealing with children you know pediat- pediatrics in ayurveda or my forte might be this the overall attitude is yeah, but we need to take care of everything. So, it Got can it. yes, yes, to some extent yes, it can replace a lot of specialists.
0: Got it. Yeah, I always joke that we don't have uh healthcare, we have sick care because yes. doctor, doctors don't want to see you until you're sick. <laughs> and then half the people I know have no idea what it feels like to actually feel healthy.
1: Right, exactly. The the what we call healthy is not healthy, it's surviving. And that's right. very different than taking care of your health and actually being what you can be, which is extremely vibrant and radiant and full of energy and creative. And all those things are very associated with our physical health.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So and as I've been exploring Ayurveda over the past few years, I've come across the concept of doshas. Am I saying that correctly? Doshas?
1: Doshas. Not that- to be confused with dosas.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we we'll confuse those two then. But doshas, would you talk about that just a little bit?
1: Doshas are the primary biological forces in all of nature. Okay, so, you
0: know, a minor thing, no no big deal.
1: No big deal at all. But the people who brought Ayurveda to the world at the very beginning stages, many thousands of years ago, observed that there are these primary patterns in nature and they saw those same patterns reflected in our bodies and those control the functions of our bodies or any living creature let's say so those three doshas are vata pitta and kapha and without getting too crazy because we could go on forever about the doshas they have these kind of basic functions associated with them so vata controls all movements in our body whether it's movement of food through the digestive system or whether it's a movement of information through the nervous system, whatnot. Vata controls anything that moves. Pitta controls anything that breaks down another substance. So if you eat something and it goes into your stomach and you have a bunch of hydrochloric acid that gets secreted, that breaks down the food you just ate into its component parts so your body can then use those basic parts to build new tissue. That's pitta. Pitta is the metabolic process. And then kapha is the process of growth or adhesion of different tissue elements. So kapha deals with the form of our containers in our body. So like our stomach has a very specific form and it's very resilient to that acid that gets dumped into it. So that's got a lot of kapha nature. Kapha is very dense and resilient. And so the harmony between all of these doshas creates balance in our body and not each body is created equal. So for example, you have a different proportion of those doshas than I do in my body, like a fingerprint. Everyone's got a unique signature of how those doshas interact with each other. And it's the Ayurvedic professional's role to assess that and give you ways to keep those doshas in balance because they're always trying, they're always moving. And so they're always liable to go out of balance.
0: With the, Goal, I don't know if that's the right word, but goal then be to be 33% vata, 33% pitta. Or is it really just to be in balance with your natural state?
1: Good question. It's not to be even in all three. That is not the goal. The goal is to be balanced with your original recipe that was actually created upon your conception.
0: Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And how do most people do with that? Do we find ourselves getting out of balance through life, just through external influences? How does one get out of balance?
1: All the time. There are many ways. You, can, you can't even count them. So the idea is that dosha, the word dosha means that which falls out of balance. Oh. So we got, yeah, we got, two, we got two forces in our body. Your body as a whole has this thing inside of it that's always driving towards equilibrium. That's what we call healing. Your body's will to drive towards a homeostasis. So when it can achieve that equilibrium, great. But there are all these pushes and pulls, like you said, in our external environment and in our internal environment as well. Mm -hmm. And so the doshas are constantly having to adapt to this. And so it's like, you know, you walk outside and let's say it's a hundred degrees and humid. That's very Pitta aggravating. And so your body now needs to adjust to that external environment and find homeostasis with that environment, within that environment. So it will start changing. And that creates a lot of adaptability inside the human form and resilience. So it's a good thing until you can't change well enough or adapt well enough to compensate for the environmental factors. That means we can bring in other external substances. So like it's a really hot day, maybe drink some mint tea to compensate for the effect. So whether we know it or not, we're always just intuitively and instinctually doing things to compensate for our environments. And it's not like there's a point of balance where, okay, when you're on that point, okay, now don't move. (laughs) That's not Ayurveda. It's more like there's a a domain of balance. And as long as you stay inside that domain, you're going to be all right. When you start going outside that domain, like let's say it's too hot or it's too cold or the environment's too dangerous and you get really stressed out. And so now pitta and vata are aggravating very high because your defense mechanisms are kicking on. Whatever it is, there are like literally thousands upon thousands of ways. You're sitting at a computer too much, you know, all that stuff, like we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, All that's going to have an effect on your dosha equilibrium inside your body. And if you do it too, too much for too many days in a row, you start to develop a pathology. A pathology means that you've left that domain of balance and something in your body is getting weaker or pushing on something or going the wrong direction, little by little, day after day after day. And if it goes too far, then now you end up with something that we label as a disease. Mm -hmm. But the pathology started long before the disease manifested symptoms. That's the important part. So that's what we're talking about
0: when we talk about the why. Why do you have this disease? Well, it was a week ago when you started tipping out of balance, or a year ago. Or 20 years ago. Or 20 years ago. Right. You mentioned um, getting stressed out. So I'm very interested in the effects of emotional and mental health. And how is that related to Ayurveda?
1: Well, it's everything. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. But as dualistic creatures, us humans, we have something called the autonomic nervous system. The autonomic nervous system is has two parts. It's got the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. And then we have this big old nerve called the vagus nerve running from our brain. It connects everything. I mean for all intents and purposes it connects everything in our body. It connects our sense organs to our vital organs and vice versa and it's a big deal. So the vagus nerve is part of the parasympathetic nervous system which is part of the autonomic nervous system. And When we get stressed, a signal runs through our sense organs because something usually triggers the stress. So we perceive something, whether it's there or not, we perceive something in the external environment that creates a feeling that we call stress. What is that? That's the transition from our parasympathetic nervous system to our sympathetic nervous system,
0: Mm. which
1: is a very natural thing. We're meant to be able to handle stress, just not too much of it. And you want to only have to handle stress when you actually need to handle stress, not invented stress coming from our past experiences or samskaras, if someone's familiar with Sanskrit terminology. Mm-hmm. So we get into the sympathetic nervous system, which prepares ourselves to deal with a situation to deal with a threat. So our heart rate elevates, our breath rate increases, our diaphragm starts moving more shallowly to increase our breath rate. And most importantly, our resources move from digestion and rejuvenation to activation, fight, flight, freeze. doesn't even need to be that. It could be play, you know? It doesn't have to be a defense mechanism, but, or, or highly mobilized activity like working really hard for a mm. period of time, which isn't necessarily threatening, but it's very stressful if I lift something really heavy, you know? my body's under stress. So if I'm in that stress state too much, my body won't rejuvenate. My body won't digest food. My body won't do X, Y, Z. And over time that starts creating imbalances in the doshas because the doshas are trying to compensate for the stress by maintaining equilibrium with each other. But at a certain point they can't. And at that point, that's when the equilibrium goes and we start a pathology. Hmm. So stress is is like the one of the bottom level whys. I mean, like maybe there's only one or two beneath that.
0: Yeah. And I think in our society today, stress is just almost pervasive. We expect to feel a certain level of stress at all times. And that can be very challenging for health.
1: Yeah. And we don't do the practices that bring us back into balance after being stressed because that's the big trick or the big temptation or illusion of stress. The more stress you get under, the harder it is to see the path to relaxation. it is Stress has almost an addictive quality to it.
0: Oh, for sure. We get accustomed to that level of stimulation. And when we feel relaxed, we think, oh, something's wrong, I don't feel anything. And so we invent stresses, like you were saying, so that we get back up to that
1: level of discomfort to which we've become accustomed. And that's where it really helps to have a neutral person outside your family structure. Uh, to to really, to really talk to, because Ayurveda is very clear on this. Don't, if you're out of balance, which most people are, do not trust your feelings. Oh, sure. Right. But that's right. So it's like, well, what do I do? Well, you got to find someone neutral who's willing to help you because once you're back in balance, you can trust your feelings all day long. But it's like, how many times have I heard, you know, well, I intuitively knew I should eat that piece of pizza. Like, no, 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 not uh, your intuition. Yeah. All the time, all
0: the time. Oh, well, I was yeah. craving ice cream. It must be my body needed ice cream. I'm yeah. like, oh no, that's not how that works.
1: <laughs> no, that's not how that works because that what's really happening is the body is trying to compensate for an imbalance, but by the time it gets to our decision making mind, it's turned into ice cream.
0: Right. Right. <laughs>
1: when it's really craving something else, when it really, I should say that, when it really needs something else that might actually share some of the qualities of ice cream, but is not actually ice cream. Right. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, as you know, this is primarily a podcast about chakras. So how does your work relate to our work here on this podcast?
1: Well, Ayurveda, chakras, yogas, chakras. It's all the
0: same, right? I yeah, mean, it all, all it can't really be separated in any way.
1: So you could go to any episode I'm sure you've done and it's all good you're learning about ayurveda at the same time as learning
0: Hey. Chakras.
1: But you know we could of course get into a little bit but we could actually we could explore that.
0: Yeah, let's.
1: Chakras ayurvedically speaking are the same as they are in yoga. They're energetic centers of the body where they have certainly have motifs. So you know the second chakra the very famous second chakra is of course around the reproductive organs because the motifs are kind of raw creative potential and energy and it's then then that or take like the heart chakra so the heart chakra is above the diaphragm notice that and the lower three chakras are below the diaphragm the diaphragm forms this barrier between the lower and upper chakras and that's true with the vagus nerve and autonomic nervous system as well. The vagus nerve changes above the diaphragm and below the diaphragm. It's almost like if you are engaging the vagus nerve below the diaphragm, then you become a different person than if you were to engage it above the diaphragm You know, on a regular basis. Of course, we're engaging the whole thing all the time, but sure. we're shortcutting the language. Yeah. Yeah. So think about that in terms of chakras. The vagus nerve is very cool if you want to study the vagus nerve with chakras, because it basically runs the path of the chakras and even culminates in like a embracing of the pituitary and pineal and stuff like that. If we act from our lower chakras, which are the root chakra, Muldahara, you know, and all and the second chakra and the third chakra, then What we tend to see are people acting from the more basic desires. So I want safety, security. I want to avoid or deal with my fears. And I want to acquire some kind of power on this planet. It's one, two, and three. And of course, you can have a variety of mixes of any of those. And it manifests in a billion different personality traits. And therapists can have a field day with that but from a from an ayurvedic standpoint you want to get the energy flowing through all seven chakras that would be considered a genuinely healthy person when they exhibit those traits because it activates all your centers and what's very cool about the chakra system is that it maps onto the physical body very intentionally there's no in ayurveda there's no separation between the mind and body mm-hmm. we can talk about a mind and we could talk about a body but really they're completely interwoven. The mind has kind of capabilities via the sense perceptions and even beyond to kind of transcend the body, but it's still very much tied to the body. It's not like you have this mind floating on your left side and then sometimes it goes and hangs out inside your body. It's like a way integrated thing. Same with the chakras. So the mind weaves into these energies that gets filtered through these chakras that then creates patterns in your behavior and body. So the higher chakra is like the heart chakra is all about neutrality. Can you, have you stopped the cycle of reactivity in your life? So it's not about emotions. Like a lot of people like to think emotions are much more of a third chakra, second chakra game. Right. The mind, if you, if you're, if you have a very strong heart chakra, then you're very good at making decisions that are free from emotional entanglement. Just for example,
0: yeah, we so talk we a lot on. about yeah, we talk a lot about the heart chakra being a, a balancing point, right, yes. between the lower and the upper chakra. It isn't. We tend to equate the heart with love, and we think about that as being romantic love. But I, I think it's very important to note that that's not really what the heart chakra is for, primarily.
1: So. No, that that is far from it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the y type love is more second, third chakra game. Yeah. Not that it can't ever evolve. Oh, sure. But, but that when you're, when you're playing in those waters and there's nothing wrong with that, just know that you're playing in those waters, that that's where you're playing. You're activating your second and third chakra. And to some extent your first chakra, because let's not lie, when you're engaging in those relationships, a lot of it is about security.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And trust.
1: And trust and And, all those things and and feeling safe
0: and having a, yeah. yeah, And exactly. And having a place
1: for sure. A place and a person and, or people. Absolutely.
0: Uh, very fascinating. So I guess my question, my next question is, do you relate specific diseases or illnesses to specific chakras? Is I mean, I know that there's like a different set of organs or physical structures that's governed by each energy center. So do we say, oh, heart disease is in the heart chakra. I don't even know if that is a question that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you it would be nice if it were that easy. Oh, um, I have but, a feeling you're about
0: to tell me it's not. It's not.
1: <laughs> so what tends to happen more is that, I mean, some, sometimes it is that easy, especially at the very beginning of an issue, a lot of times, maybe even before there are symptoms. But what tends to happen is there might be, let's say someone has a, like an issue with their physical heart, cardiac muscle. Of course, the heart chakra is going to be associated to some extent. We'll be able to weave some story that incorporates it in, and it'll be really nice and great, right? But really, what's happening is that when you go down that road of whys, when you get to the bottom why, you'll see what chakra it's associated with. So, okay, why do you, you know, why do you have heart disease? Oh, because I eat, you know, red meat four meal four times a day, (laughs) and I drink a bunch of alcohol and I smoke cigarettes. I'm just exaggerating to make it easy, right? Absolutely. Okay, well, why do you do those things? Cutting a long conversation short again. Because I was traumatized 15,000 times in my childhood, right? So the only way I can ever feel okay inside my body is if I'm eating or smoking or drinking.
0: Mm.
1: And it's like, okay, so in what way were you traumatized? Oh, I was sexually abused. Well, there you go. It's going to be a second chakra issue, right? And it usually is. And they usually also, if you go down the road and ask more questions, there are a lot of issues in that region of the body, but maybe not as obvious or presenting as the heart failure that's about to happen. So sure, it's the heart chakra, but really it's more stemming from the second chakra. That's where the wound originated. And then the pathology carried that into the heart.
0: So how does Ayurveda treat that? I mean, if I go to a cardiac specialist, they say, okay, well, we're going to do a quadruple bypass and, hey, quit smoking if you can, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) which is not going to happen. So, or in most cases, it's not going to happen.
0: Or it's certainly going to be very difficult.
1: Yeah, and we need support in that. We're crazy to think that we can do that kind of stuff alone. Absolutely. Yeah, That's the kind of thing that needs a team. Yeah, part of the wound itself is the separation from healthy relationship. You know, that's part of the trauma itself. So. Yeah, Ayurveda would start giving that person a lot of support on a lot of different levels. One is I would not say, okay, stop smoking, good luck. You know, that that there's a whole world inside that pattern that needs to be explored and talked about and you know, why smoking of all the addictions that one can choose? Why is that the one? That's you know, and plus people need to talk about these things. They need to get it off their chest. They need to open up about things they've never shared or have shared with certain people, but then they got written off or then they got, you know, it's like, well, sorry, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry that happened to you. Oh, why can't you
0: just get over it?
1: Yeah. Or whatever the response is, you know, that doesn't heal the wound. So people need to get into their own stuff and that takes time and that takes presence and that takes a relationship with someone who can talk about those things and and start to help with those things. Ayurveda is big on therapies, so there will be a lot of manual therapies that affect the the body very directly. And then there are herbs, and then there's diet, and then there's, you know, lifestyle choices and you know, a whole world of choices has been made around that original trauma or set of traumas that the person may not even be aware are directly connected to that. You know, their choice in partner, their choice in where they live. their cho- I had a person the other day who had such a deep fear that they, they moved to a very isolated place in the world, not because of any other reason besides they didn't want to confront that fear. And so now what they say is, oh, I, I like to live alone. But that's not really true. They live alone and they become accustomed to it because they're afraid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's going to progressive pathology, Ayurvedically speaking, if you just live in the confines of your own fears and then become comfortable with them or find workarounds to them. Sure. And right. we're so
0: good at that as human beings, the finding uh, yeah. workarounds for our fears.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so then that becomes a tough conversation because it's like, well, you know, I know you're saying you like living alone, but really it's, it's more that you're afraid to engage socially. And so now the think about Think about what that person's life would look like if they didn't possess that fear or they broke through that fear. It would be a com- they'd be a completely different person. Well, that completely different person might be much closer to their original doshik makeup. So sure. they might be a lot healthier.
0: Yeah, doshik makeup or what sometimes we talk about as being the highest self. You're a true um, authentic
1: yeah. right. self, as right. opposed
0: to the shell and all of these layers that you put on to protect or avoid fears and external pressures and traumas and things like that. Yeah. That, yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. And we
1: all do it. So we shouldn't get upset oh. at anyone else for it. But no. the, the journey is to undo those layers and get to that higher or core self or whatever you want to call it exactly. where the energy is flowing through all the chakras. I mean, that is the idea. It's, you know, the, the faster we can do that, the better. We shouldn't take too much time because if we take too much time, we run out of time.
0: Right. And it's faster than we might otherwise. Yes. So Ayurveda primarily relies, like you said, on some hands-on types of treatments. Diet as far as changing it. And I understand we don't have to get into it, but I understand there are different types of diets for different types of doshas.
1: Yeah, definitely. So whatever your doshic profile is, you have your balance state, which hopefully the Ayurvedic professional can say. Okay. I I get it. I see what you are now. And I see kind of like the, like what when a sculptor is working with stone, they always say, you know, I see the statue in the block, you know? So that's the Ayurvedic professional's job is to see what your balanced state is, even if you're not presenting it and then work you through that gap towards Mm -hmm. that place. And so food is a big part of that because food is how we build our body, food, air, water, and sense perceptions. Let's not forget about that last one. Sense perceptions build our body. So food's super important. How we nourish ourselves is super important. It contains the same qualities our body's made out of. It goes in, pitta breaks it down into its component parts and kapha builds up our tissue to be what they're supposed to be. And if you eat stuff that has the same qualities as your imbalance, it's gonna aggravate your imbalance. If you eat stuff that has qualities opposite to your imbalance, then you're going to tr- dial back your imbalance and move closer to balance. That's the oversimplified version of saying it, but that's basically the fundamental idea.
0: Sure, but I kind of get it. If you are heavy imbalanced toward vata, you might need to balance out by eating a little bit more
1: kapha type foods, as or, long as you got the pizza to back it up. As
0: long as you got the pizza to back it up.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you might you might eat both pizza and kaffa type diet to incre- to decrease the prominence of Vata in your body mm. and partake in Kapha Pitta type lifestyle choices and relationships and dot, da, da 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 da.
0: I see. And so it's becoming clear to me why a professional is helpful for guidance. Cause this is kind of a lot <laughs> to try it's to figure lot. out all on your own. I think that's why sometimes I would read about it and think, Oh, I don't even know where to begin with all of this are the kinds of things that require that like the foods and the herbs and things commonly available? Are they, are they things we can get if we were to get prescribed these diets?
1: Uh, These days? Yes. Especially. I mean, you can get trifla at whole foods. Turmeric is an Ayurvedic herb and it's like taking the United States by storm.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can get Um, that at like target.
1: Yeah, seriously. And you know, it's honestly, that's one of the things about Ayurveda is It would definitely, I mean, it would really frown upon this whole turmeric fad thing because not everyone should be taking turmeric. Turmeric does not have an anti-inflammatory effect for everyone who takes it. If you're out of balance in certain ways, turmeric will harm you. And so this idea that, oh, look, here's this substance that has these qualities. And so now everyone gets the benefit of those qualities. That is Western... Thinking, not Ayurvedic thinking.
0: 100%. If a little is good, a lot must be better.
1: Yeah. And frankly, it's just wrong. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be rude, but it just is. It's wrong. Sure. It's basically there because some people want to make a lot of money because they need to sell X amount of (laughs) turmeric and they can market it well and it looks like an easy fix. So I'll take it. Yeah. It's not a truly healthy approach to how we should maintain our bodies and health. And that, that's true pretty much with any diet. That just says, oh, do this diet. It's good for everybody.
0: Yeah, and six yeah. weeks to the perfect you.
1: Six weeks to the perfect you. If, if that's what you're being sold, don't buy. Um, yeah. Especially when it comes in terms of health.
0: Yeah, because, what you plan to put in your body.
1: Yeah, and it can harm you. It can. I'm not saying it's going to make you like fall over or something like that. But it can have a negative effect on your body. Like Especially some of the cleanses. Uh, yeah, those can actually be legitimately dangerous.
0: I believe you. They some, some of the ones I've seen scare me a little bit. Yeah. They just feel very extreme. And if the goal is balance, extreme does not lead towards balance.
1: No. And you know what jumping back to when we said, you know, stress tends to tempt us into more stress. And then we get into mindsets like, you know, let's let's use the classic example of money, you know oh man, when I get like ramped up and stuff like that, I can really, I get really more done and then I can make more money. So if I get even more ramped up or stay ramped up, then I'll make even more money. But actually the people over time, it's the classic tortoise and the hare example, you know, the people who are balanced end up being more prosperous in the long run.
0: Yeah, I think that's true in all ways. People who are more balanced are healthier in the long run, happier in the long run. Uh, so that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Thank you so much. Well, Victor, where can people find you and find out more about this? Because I just don't think that 40 minutes is covered every little nook and cranny of Ayurveda.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We got maybe through one, one nook,
0: one, one little nook, plenty of crannies left to look at, but yeah, yeah, where can, where can we find you and learn more about Ayurveda and what you do and how you can help?
1: Sure. So I'm the inter- I'm with the International Institute of Ayurveda. The website's www.iiayurveda.com. So that's I-I-A-Y-U-R, V as in Victor, E as an elephant, D as in dog, A as in apple.com.
0: Y'all, I'll put that in the show notes. No need to memorize. It will yeah. all be in the show notes and I'll put it on the Facebook page and all that good stuff too. So you can find it.
1: And I'm easy to contact, whether it's for the clinic or we have an Ayurveda Academy where we train Ayurvedic professionals. So anyone interested in learning Ayurveda, becoming certified as an Ayurvedic practitioner, we do that. And we have workshops and courses and, you know, we're really trying to get this out in the world because it really does benefit people. And find me, come come talk to me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And remember that, you know, any benefit that you do for yourself is truly a benefit In the world. We talk about that every single week, but a a change anywhere is a change everywhere. So let's, you know, start looking for balance in our doshas, let's start looking for balance in our bodies, balance in our chakras. It is all intertwined, inextricable from itself. So well, thank you so much for your time today, Victor. This was really interesting. Anything else or have we covered it all for today?
1: Uh, For today, we're good. Until
0: next time. Until next time, then. We'll have a wonderful day and I will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye Bye.